This is Ryan Parrish from City of Caterpillar, and you're listening to The New Scene. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The New Scene. I am your host, Keith, and we're back with another brand new episode. And guest hosting this week with me, I've got Mike Doyle from This Was The Scene podcast. Mike, say hello. Hello. It's wonderful to have you here, Mike. Hey, where are you based out of? I'm originally from Jersey, but currently, for the last seven years, I've been living in Raleigh, North Carolina. How do you like that? I fucking love it, man. Growing up in Jersey, I mean, you know, because you're in, are you in Mass? I'm in uh, Brooklyn. Oh, okay. So you we have the same weather up there. And down here, I just start, stopped wearing shorts like last week. But I think that the weather's been kind of similar between here and the Northeast a little bit. But typically, yeah, the weather's great. The The whole just vibe down here, I just love it. So I'm like, yeah, I'm not going, I'm not going back. That sounds nice. That sounds nice. Do you have a family? What are you, what are you working with down there? Not, my family is up. It's funny. We grew up in Jersey, and then my mom got a house in the Cape, and she actually owns this restaurant in, in Orleans called The Yard Arm. It's for anyone yeah. listening who knows of that area. It's a very it's a pretty popular spot. They bought it from this couple who had it there since the 70s. So they were living up there. And then my sister, she lived in Boston for a really long time, and now she's in Plymouth. And my mom just moved to... She was in Savannah for a year, and then they just moved to Naples. So... I went from having a five-hour drive to go see her, and then now it's the same drive if I would have gone to her place in Cape Cod, it's the same drive to Florida. So I'm about 15 hours from family. Well, and my little sister lives in DC, so there's four there. So Got you. Okay. So uh, I was wondering if you were like married or had kids or any of that stuff. No, actually, the reason I got went to came to Raleigh is I got divorced and then sold everything and traveled for about seven months in 2015 and kind of stumbled upon here. And uh, so basically just a 43-year-old guy, no responsibility, work for myself, and uh, it's kind of nice. That sounds really nice. I like that. I, I'm 40 now, and I work a day job, but you know, it's uh, I like it. It pays well. It allows me to do everything else I'm doing. And uh, we're here, Mike, me and you, two guys with podcasts with scene in the title. That's right. I mean, it's pretty great. We're keeping it alive. That's right. We are keeping it alive day by day. But listen, we've got a great show for you. And we've got a great guest for you. We've got Ryan Shelkent from Cross My Heart and Liars Academy. Liars Academy has reissues of Trading My Life EP and their final LP Demons coming out on Steadfast Records. We cover all of that. We cover Cross My Heart. We talk about Blank. We talk about Dead Red Sea. We cover it all. I mean, Ryan has done a lot in music. It was great to talk to him. You're going to hear that conversation in a minute. But first, we're going to do another giveaway courtesy of Steadfast Records, and we're going to do it right now. Here's what you're going to do. It's very simple. Follow me on Instagram, New Scene Pod. Follow Steadfast Records on Instagram, at Steadfast Rex, R-E-C-S. Follow Iodine Recordings on Instagram, at Iodine Recordings. Follow all three of us, tag a friend in Ryan's podcast post, which is up right now on my page, or tag a friend in any post on my page, or post a story and tag all three of us, me, Iodine, and Steadfast Records, and you could win the Liars Academy, Trading My Life, 
LP. That's on peach with yellow and orange swirl, limited to 100. You will also win the Liars Academy Demons LP. That's on clear with black smoke, also limited to 100. So again, follow me, Steadfast Records, and Iodine Recordings. Tag a friend in Ryan's podcast post or any post on my page. You'll win these two LPs. You want them. The vinyl looks great. The band is awesome. So get those posts out there today. I'll go through everybody who's posted. I'll put the names in a hat. I'll pick a winner. Here is how you can support us, the new scene. Apple Podcast and Spotify reviews. Now, we are one Apple Podcast review away from 108 reviews. Think about it. You could be the 108th Apple Podcast review for the new scene. You've heard the old episodes with me and Tommy. You know how the number 108 is a constant thing that comes up. Give us that review. If you give us a nice five-star review and write a nice review on Apple Podcasts, I'll read it on the air. And hey, review 108, that's going to be special. So thanks to everyone who sent in reviews. Keep them coming. So is 108 just like because of the hardcore band or is that like more of the um, like the mantra, like 108, like sh- what was that, Buddhist? Or something? Oh, it, there's like 108 beads on the, the Krishna thing. Yes, that was it. I, I yeah. think that's where they got the, the band name from. Mm-hmm. We all like the band 108 a lot, and they were a, a huge deal to us. Around when we got into hardcore, you know, because they had just broken up, yeah. and I discovered them, and it was like this legend that didn't exist anymore. And then I, I, I'm guessing because of the association with the band, we would just see the number 108 everywhere, and it would come up in like the craziest, most unbelievable circumstantial things. So now it's a big thing in our group chat, 108 this, 108 that. So whenever the person submits this 108th new scene review, it's going to shut down the entire internet. Well, make sure that nobody reviews after the 108 so they can see it. Because if it jumps to 109, you're going to be like, God damn it. Yeah, I was afraid of that. But if that happens, I'll just end the show. It's fine. (laughs) We've done enough. We've talked to enough people. It's fine. That's right. Buy shirts. We've got t-shirts. We've got the long sleeve shirt. We've got a t-shirt option of the long sleeve. Check out our storefront at Deathwish Inc. You want one of these shirts, trust me, we're out of large in the long sleeve, but there are other sizes are available. There's limited quantities. Get them before they're gone. Follow us on social media, New Scene Pod on Instagram, New Scene Pod on Twitter, New Scene Pod on TikTok. We've got YouTube channels. We've got it all. Just Google it. And don't forget to support Iodine Recordings. Check out the official merch stores for Orange Island and Darling Fire. They've got some great shirts up there, zip-up hoodies, vinyl. It's all up there. You want it. You need it. You have to get it now. And the Iron Roses have European tour dates coming up with Joe McMahon from Smoker Fire. Last week, I said Joe Grillo from Her Heads on Fire. And I remember thinking, oh, that's weird that Joe is going to Europe to do a solo tour. I didn't think he did that. I was wrong. It's Joe McMahon. And I have seen Joe McMahon. He is an unbelievable live performer. Uh, I'm still waiting to see the Iron Roses. That's going to happen soon enough. Go check it out. For, for more information, go to the Iodine Instagram at Iodine Recordings or check out their website at iodinerecords.com. Now, Mike, let's talk about new music recommendations. And I've got some hot ones this week, so I'm going to go first. Hammock, my all time favorite band, have two new singles out Untruth and God's Becoming Memories. They are from the new album, Love in the Void, 
which comes out in January 2023. Hammock is such a versatile, unbelievably great band. They do it all. They have straight ambient songs. They have straight instrumental songs. They have more classic songs with verses and choruses and all that stuff. They have more out there stuff. They do it all. They're so versatile. There's a hammock song for any kind of mood you're in. And this is their first new album since last year, two years ago. I'm not sure, but it sounds like there's some more instrumentation on this one, like guitars and that kind of stuff. And I like when hammock does that the best. Uh, The straight ambient stuff I like, but you know, when they really do it and there's full band stuff going on and drums and guitars, it's really special. Can't wait for that. And I also want to recommend Fleshwater. They just released a new LP, We're Not Here to Be Loved. Imagine if the band Vane was the Deftones. Mm. And you have Fleshwater. It's heavy. It's grungy. It's the the vocals I just love. Uh, There's a lot of great stuff going on on this record. I, I listened to the whole thing recently. Highly recommended. Fleshwater, We're Not Here to Be Loved. Check it out. So, Mike... Lay it on us. What are you listening to? Old stuff, new stuff, doesn't matter. Lay it on us. Man, I was like just typing a list as you're talking about that. Obviously, I'm going to talk about Turnstile, and they're they're awesome. They just they're nominated for two Grammys, actually. Yeah, that is wild. That's insane. These kids. I mean, I love everything about them. Um, There's a band called Johnny Booth. They are this fucking intent. I don't even know how to describe these guys. It's like it's like a mix of Coalesce with like every time I die and it's just incredible. Like the guy and like a little bit of glass jaw with the way he just kind of freaks out sometimes with his singing. And uh, so I stumbled upon them through Spotify months ago and just like blew my mind. So like I've been cranking them. Spam movements has been around for a while. Uh, they, oh yeah. I know them. Yeah. I love that band. They, if you see, have any chance to see any videos on YouTube, they're really cool to watch. And there's the one video where they're playing in, What's the, there's a California, Orange County, there's a club. Um, chain Reaction. Chain Reaction. There's a video of them playing in Chain Reaction, and the crowd just goes absolutely apeshit for these guys. It's like before COVID. And I would say Full Circle and Daylily are the two my picks on that. And then the last one, I know we're kind of going a bit crazy here, but the new Be Well EP, Hello Sun, yes. is so good. Like the song Hello Sun for some reason, it just hits me so hard emotionally. Like he's like just, it's just crazy how, because the guy really is going through um, so much shit, and he's talking about it in the records. And uh, what's his name again? He was like Brian McTurney. Brian McTurney. Yeah, like such a huge part of the scene, and it's just crazy how raw he gets. But in that song, it's like, like when he talks about like "Hello, Sun," and the chorus breaks in, and you're like, oh god, like he just needs like light in his life, and then he's like, hey, rain, like stay the fuck out of here. Because you're seeing he's just struggling with it. And just, I don't know, that song just gets me every time. I had the same reaction when I heard it. I had Brian McTurnan on the show and they gave us an advance of Hello, Son. And I, I was just, I usually don't get hit emotionally like that with heavier bands. And Be, Be Well isn't exactly heavier, but they have hardcore elements with a lot of melodic stuff. But it really hit me hard. I had the same reaction. It's interesting to hear that you had that reaction as well. Oh, yeah. Like, I lost it the first time I heard it. I was like, what is happening right now? And every time I played it, I was like, all right, don't try to cry. And I'm like, I can't. I can't <laughs> not do it. It just, It's just the chord. Sometimes there's this magic of the lyric, the melody, and then the music. It just can hit this note that just cuts through you. And the guy just 
they got it with that song and uh and you're just like ugh. so i recommend that to anyone who wants to have a really sad three minutes yeah it's a it's a cathartic but awesome experience you know it's like it's like good sad you're not gonna walk away feeling bad you're gonna walk away feeling like you really went through something important yeah it's like you're letting shit out yes when you hear it and it's like releasing and you're like what the fuck you're like just go with it and it's like let yourself just totally go with it and you're like all right good (laughs) that was totally (laughs) worth it well Check back in with me and Mike in segment three. I'll ask Mike about this was the scene. We'll talk about how we're doing, everything else that's going on. But right now, we are going to speak to Ryan Shelkett of Cross My Heart and Liars Academy. Enjoy. We are here now with Ryan Shelkett. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Keith. Thanks for having me. Yes, Ryan, it's wonderful to have you here. You know, you've done so much over the years in music. We've got Cross My Heart. We've got Dead Red Sea. We've got Liars Academy. You've got a new solo record out, Someone Becomes No One. And we're going to cover all of that, Ryan. But first, let me ask you, how are you doing today? Today? I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, I've just, uh, you know, I've been working on, you know, the past couple of years trying to get a lot of these records reissued and uh, finally issued on vinyl. And uh, every day I do a little bit, little something toward that. So, you know, I've just been playing a little bit and, uh, you know, it's it's been putting me in a good mood. That is awesome. Are you a vinyl collector? Yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, I've been collecting records since I was a kid, and and I have a good amount of the records I've had since I was, you know, at least a teenager. I don't buy as much as I used to, but I do pick up some records here and there. So it would be good to have some of your own records on vinyl, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's what's missing from my collection is my own stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you based out of these days? I'm in Baltimore, Maryland. Nice. How do you like it? I like it. You know, Baltimore, there's definitely really beautiful parts of Baltimore and, and places that aren't so beautiful. But, um, you know, I've recently moved to a new place about a year and a half ago and a new house, and it's uh, wonderful. I'm just enjoying it. That's awesome. Yeah, I've been there a number of times, and I like it a lot. It's just There's just a really unique vibe, uh, unlike any other city I've ever been in. Where, where are you at, Keith? In Brooklyn. Oh, okay. But uh, I originally grew up in suburban Pennsylvania, and then I was in Philadelphia for nine years, and now I've been in Brooklyn for 10 years. Do you miss uh, Philadelphia? I do. Yeah. I do. I miss, um, I miss 
because that's where I discovered music mm-hmm. and that's where I made all my best friends. So I wax poetic about that time. And I've even thought about moving back a couple of times, but then I'm like, wait, everybody's married and lives in the suburbs. Now, yeah. So it wouldn't be the same. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't. No, you'd be, you'd be chasing a ghost, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And I don't want to do that. Did you grow up in Baltimore? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, born in Baltimore, grew up on the outskirts of Baltimore in the suburbs, um, you know, a little place called Pasadena. And then, you know, mo- been living in the city for the past, I don't know, maybe 25 years, different places throughout Baltimore. Yeah, I- I've always thought about, you know, relocating, moving, but somehow I always just kind of kept Baltimore as my home base because I I traveled so much for so long. That um, there was no real reason for me to move. Everything was here, <laughs> you know, and I was hitting all these other cities all the time. So I just stayed put in Baltimore. Yeah, that's a good, that's something I didn't consider. I had uh, Nika Danilova, Zola Jesus, on the show, and she lives out in the middle of the woods, right? And I was thinking, like, oh, doesn't that ever get lonely or is it too solitary? And she's like, no, I'm on tour all year. And I was like, right. And it's probably the same thing for you, Ryan. Like, whatever you feel like you're not getting from another city, you can go and get when you go to perform, right? Sure. And, you know, I mean, when I was doing it, um, I'm really not doing it all that much anymore. But when I was touring actively, I mean, it was, yeah, it was was a lot. You know, it was months at a time. um, And, and, when I was touring, the Baltimore was pretty cheap to live. It's not so much anymore, but it used to be very, very inexpensive. So, uh, you know, you could you could have a place and not pay very much rent, come back to it, you know, maybe pick up an odd job here and there and go back on tour. Right. You know? And you did it for a long time. I and did. I want to get into some of that. Uh, but first, talk about your relationship with music. Have you loved it your entire life? Yes, I have. You know, I think I really probably about fifth grade started noticing music and really listening to it and and have really loved music pretty much since then. My relationship with creating music has been a little more complicated, but me, just, just a person enjoying music, it's always been there. And, you know, taste, taste change and you discover new things. But um, in general, I would say that, that, you know, rock Music is the sweet spot for me that I always kind of come back to. Yeah, same here. Whatever the flavor of that rock is. Talk about your relationship with underground music. Was that a significant thing in your life? Absolutely. I mean, that that's what kind of um, allowed me to kind of step into my life. You know, it, it, it helped me find, you know, a purpose and, you know, friends and a whole new world kind of opened up when I discovered all of that. So um, I guess I started probably going to shows in like 91, you know, just maybe even a little earlier than that, maybe maybe like 90 local shows. Being in Baltimore, I had the luxury of being close to other cities, particularly Washington, D.C. So, um, you know, my friends and I we would drive down in, to, to D.C. a lot. I mean, almost maybe once a week, once, you know, twice a month um, to see some show, whether it be, you know, local DC bands like Fugazi or, you know, Jawbox or whoever was playing or, you know, touring bands coming through like 930 Club. We would go there a lot. And then, you know, just just found 
just it it got deeper and deeper to where it got more underground and more grassroots and and met tons of of people and putting on shows and just going to shows and and discovering all these different bands whether they be you know more punk rock based or a little more hardcore or indie rock or whatever it may be back then it was a little more of a melting pot um with with the sounds at least from my perspective so it definitely was. It was like everybody was figuring out their thing, and there was a lot of different kind of bands. Yeah, and and, and those bands could play together, and it wasn't yep. strange, you know. Where um, there's definitely been periods where it got very, um, you know, the labels and uh, bands kind of clicked together, and sounds kind of stayed together, and different movements happened. But early, in the early '90s, it was definitely um, a little more open and like a melting pot like i said it's weird to me that i could have seen fugazi in my lifetime like they released a record while i was going to shows they were i'm sure they were playing gigs around that time and i somehow missed out on it oh really you never you haven't ever seen them play i did not see them no yeah they were they were a fantastic live band it was they were that band that just so many people came out to see and it was um it was always really, you know, kind of a joyous type of show. Intense, but always, always a great show. Yeah, I, I definitely miss seeing them for sure. Um, you said your relationship with performing music was more complicated. Tell mm-hmm. us about that. Well, uh, you know, I, I think when I was younger, I was so just focused, driven on on doing what I was doing, which was making music, creating music performing music, trying to release music. And as I got a little older, um, or much older, there was a there was a period where I uh, just said, Aaron, I think I'm done. I think uh, I don't need to make it. I don't feel compelled to make music. And I really wrestled with that for a while. It took a few years for me to feel comfortable to even come back to it, to pick up a guitar, to, to even care about it. So it, it it has been complicated because it hasn't, you know, I think most people that have been through what I've been through my age, you know, there's, you, you get older, life happens, you, you have a family and, you know, your priorities change and it doesn't, it's not as easy to do it as it once was. But personally, the complication just came from me not believing in myself, not, not being inspired uh, and it took me a while to get back there and find my way. Now, I'm surprised to hear you didn't believe in yourself because, I mean, you have a pretty accomplished career in terms of music, different bands, different sounds, records on very noteworthy labels. Well, I think, I think you know, it happens to the best of us where, you know, you second guess, you know, what you're capable of or what you've done and I definitely did that. I really felt that, you know, nothing I produced was good. Um, but I might even been embarrassed by it for a while. Just had to really come to terms with all that because the songs were really personal. They were a big part of me. And, and when I would hear them, it would just take me back to certain pieces of, of that life that, you know, I remember, I remember struggling and I remember, you know, being hopeful. And I remember the good and the bad. And, you know, I was just like, I, I think I'm done with that. And I just didn't think I was 
capable of writing again. And it, and it took some, some big things to re-inspire me and uh, push me along. How did you pull yourself out of that? Well, I think, I think the biggest thing, honestly, was um, COVID. And because I had, I had written my solo record a couple years prior and stopped. I was almost finished it. And that's when I just kind of gave up and, and didn't think I was any good and no one cared. And why am I bothering? So I stopped. Then COVID happened. And like a lot of us, you know, I just remember being terrified, watching the news, just being stuck. And then I realized I was like, you know, I just got to start saying yes. I got to I got to shake this off and and I called uh the the guy that uh recorded it and I said, "Hey, I'm you ready to have people back in your studio? I want to finish my record." And I did and it was the best the best phone call and the best decision I had made because I I fell right back into it. Everything that I loved when I was 18, that feeling came back to me. The feeling of creation and accomplishment that I was doing something putting something out into the world. So that's that's the big thing, but the inspiration for the songs was was more personal, just dealing with some loss in my family and friends and that was a piece of the inspiration, but I lost my way through that and covid was the last thing that I needed to realize that um life is short and I and I got to get moving. Yeah, I think uh covid changed a lot of things for a lot of people. A lot of people, bad things happened. A lot of people, good things happened. A lot of people, maybe both. I know it changed my life in a lot of ways, and it certainly sounds like it changed your life by invigorating you to start recording again, which is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, not only that, it inspired me to accept all the previous work that I had done and be proud of that and really want to, um, release this music some of it had never you know some of it's been out of print for a long time some of it's been only available in certain formats and and some records very little people have heard so i was very committed to trying to pull all this together trying to kind of wrap all of these projects that i've done over the years just to kind of you know pull it all together with with this solo project and just try to get this music out there give it another chance you've got some Liars Academy records, which are seeing the light of day again on vinyl, the Trading My Life EP, and Demons, the final 2004 LP, which originally came out on Equal Vision, they will be reissued via Steadfast, yes? Yes, that is correct. Now, let's talk about Liars Academy. Uh, you're coming out of Cross My Heart and Dead Red Sea. This is a more classic, emo-sounding band. Wonderful stuff. We're on Deep Elm, right? That's a highly lauded label, then and now to me. Talk about going into Liars Academy. It's a different sound. It's more poppy. It's almost more pop punk even. What was the motivation? Where were you at at the time? Well, I think, you know, Cross My Heart, the music that we were doing was pretty heavy. It was very personal. And that that had kind of run its course for me personally. And I was ready to to do something a little more upbeat, a little more just rocking and fun. And that's where the, the Liars Academy came about. And um, the drummer was the drummer in Cross My Heart. And I had met 
a guy named Matt Smith who was just kind of coming up, hanging out in Baltimore. He was in another band called Strike Anywhere. They were just kind of starting out as well. So we we decided to do uh, a new band, and Liars Academy kind of came about, and we just practiced. Uh, probably only a couple months after Cross My Heart broke up, Liars Academy formed, recorded a demo, and we were on our way to, you know, working with Equal Vision. It all happened very fast. Talk about the band at the time. You've got No News is Good News out. Mm-hmm. That's the Equal Vision debut, right? That's right. Yeah. So talk about the scene at the time, Liars Academy, the band, and the shows you were playing. Like, were people clinging to Cross My Heart and that sound, and they wanted more of that from you? Were they receptive to Liars Academy? How were the shows in the in the overall scene and the reception? Lay some of that out. Yeah, first. that's that's good. Um, well, I definitely think there there were people that you know wanted more Cross My Heart for sure. But when we started playing, there was there was plenty bands that um, you know had a harder guitar driven sound more melodic so it was easy to to really link up and play especially i mean i just remember early on i mean it it, it happened pretty quick uh there was some excitement um especially with with equal vision and and uh, us kind of coming off the cross my heart thing early on it felt very promising um and we did some really great shows we did a bunch of shows with other evr bands like you know, Fairweather and uh, Strider and and even some of their, their hardcore bands, you know, like Bane and, you know, uh, did some shows early on with Coheed and a lot of stuff there. And uh, all of that was really great. But I, th- I think we were pretty well received and, and people seemed pretty, pretty excited about what we were doing in the beginning. And, you know, the record seemed like it was off to a good start. Uh, no news is good news. So... It, it, it kind of changed after a while. You know, the, the the scene became very, very different. How so, in your estimation? In, in my in, in my eyes, you know, we we had a harder time after no news is good news. I think our sound had kind of changed a little bit. We were trying to get a little more into like classic songwriting. Um, try tried to go for a little bit more of, of a mature sound and it just wasn't resonating. Um, maybe our, our, our sound just became too rock. It, it, you know, maybe started to lose some of that, you know, punk edge. And it, it just seemed like uh, the music that we were producing just wasn't what we were kind of a, you know, black sheep. There really wasn't a whole lot in the scene that was similar or being accepted. So we definitely had a harder time after the first record. It, it, it got harder for us to find that audience. And where are you at personally at the time? I mean, do you want to just be a full-time touring musician and be out on the road all the time and take this thing as far as you can? Absolutely. So, I mean, I was extremely frustrated because it was becoming harder and harder to sustain like to keep a band out for 30 days, for 50 days, for 60 days, however long we were. And it just, it, it just really took a toll after a while. So sometimes you, you just realize that and, and you, you put the brakes on it and try to try to figure out what's next. 
how old are you at the time? Let's say around 2005 when Liars Academy initially first breaks up. Probably early early 30s. Yeah, maybe 30, 31. So, I mean, up until this point, you've been performing and touring basically that whole time, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I pretty much out of the gate after I graduated high school, 1992 was on my path. And the first tour I had done was in 1994. And, you know, periodically was doing tours in that time period. And then with Cross My Heart and, of course, Liars Academy, the touring became much more frequent. But yeah, I I would say from 92 until 2005, maybe even 2007, I I was pretty much full on. Did you stop touring full time after the initial breakup of Liars Academy? Yeah, I would say it was probably 2005 or 2006 was the last time we had toured. Um, we we kind of went on hiatus in 2005, but then quickly came back. So we we there is more that we did after Demons. The the story didn't quite end for Liars Academy after Demons, but as far as officially released music, that was that was it. Yeah, you you started touring again under a new name, correct? We did a couple shows um, under a name called Midnight Revival, but that was only a couple shows, and then went back to Liars Academy pretty quickly. Okay. So what were you doing then? What was the in- intent? Was it to put out another record or just keep the thing going? Yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, it was I didn't really know what else to do. You know, keep going was always the option. But my heart was starting to tell me I, I needed a change. I didn't really want to listen to it yet. I was still just pressing on, pushing ahead. You weren't ready to move on yet. Yeah, it wasn't quite. But 2000, 2007 is, is really the official end of that band. And then for a couple years after that, I just kind of focused on uh, my career, family. And I, and I played in a, another band just just pretty much locally for a few years and just had fun with that. So what's your family structure? Do you have kids? I do. Got three kids. You know, the two of them are are getting into the teenage years and one's still semi little in in elementary school, but you know, it's uh th- that right there is a lot of work, you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> three kids is a lot of work. Yeah. And then couple that with trying to be out on the road or making it as a musician that just makes things even more difficult oh yeah so i mean being out on the road is that isn't even an option right now i mean maybe i'll do a a couple shows here and there Uh, i mean it's just funny just uh, some friends offered for me to come play a weekend but it was in like atlanta and tennessee and i was just like "I, i can't do that that's way too far it's logistically and financially is it it doesn't make sense you know but, you know, I do have this band that I'm playing with uh, for the solo project, and they're really eager to play. So I'm definitely interested in, in playing more shows. I mean, I just started doing it um, in September. And that was the first, you know, September was the first time I think I'd played um, in like eight years. Wow. Yeah. And that was a, with a, that was solo with the band? Yes. How was that? It was nice. It, it was really fun. I have this five-piece band. Uh, two of the guys played on the record, and uh, a couple other buddies are, are playing along with me, um, piano player and a guitar player. 
and um you know it sounds great and and you know we're doing songs from some of my old catalog throwing that in there and you know just having fun with it that's amazing first gig in eight years that must have been because i'm putting together a band now and if we play in 2023 that'll be my first gig in let's see like seven years so you know well well i guess i'm right behind you're you. right there <laughs> yeah well i mean wh- what you'll realize is that it's you know once you get into it it's like oh I, I i know how to do this i remember this you know and uh i think once i said yes to it i was just like ah okay and it was just just all about me saying yes because i've been offered shows and people asking for me to do things for years and i just no i'm 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 not interested thanks but no thanks you know and um but i was like ah, you know i got this record i i i committed to doing this i got a I got to go out and play, and I want to. So uh, I've done two shows so far. So hopefully, some more. That's amazing. Yeah. What? Uh, how come you're not interested in other offers? I imagine there's been Liars Academy offers or Cross My Heart offers out there. There has over the years. Um, Cross My Heart did a reunion in like 2013. We played the Gainesville Fest and played a Baltimore show, and then Liars Academy did one reunion show in 2012 but that was about it um you know i don't know we'll see what the future holds uh i i'd be in up for playing with any of those guys and and you know doing some shows it just you know got to find everybody first <laughs> where is everybody you know <laughs> you're not in touch with everybody not no i'm not is that uh by design or has it just been a long time uh, it's just been a long time Most, some of the people i am and and we talk periodically but you know it's not we don't talk all the time right right some people would have to be tracked down yes for sure so talk about cross my heart now what was some of your influence in this band i love the sound of the band i love what you guys do uh who were some of your influences back then well i I would have to say cross my heart kind of came out of the ashes of my previous band which was called blank and we, I think when we put together Cross My Heart, you know, I know, I knew that I wanted to do a melodic, you know, more kind of emo, kind of melancholy type thing. And that that's the type of songs I was writing. I would say, you know, influences at the time, I mean, probably everybody that was playing that type of music, I mean, you can't deny that, you know, Sunny Day Real Estate didn't uh play a big part in establishing that kind of influence but it was there was all kinds of stuff though i mean that band was an, an interesting band i mean you had a a drummer who only listened to pop punk you know a bass player who was was really into you know pretty much just the descendants and and hardcore you know and and i was kind of all over the place a little more indie rock and stuff and our guitar player was really into like british you know, power pop, like, you know, Mega City 4 and things like that. So we had a little bit of a an interesting blend that we put together. And that band was the first band, because the previous band, I had pretty much written everything. Every song I wrote, but this band was more of a collaboration. So it was exciting to bring all those different influences together and create what we created. Most of the songs, the the germ or the the structure came from me, but those musicians really took it in, in a direction I didn't really see or envision. 
with those individual influences that you named, I wouldn't have imagined cross my heart coming out of that. I know it doesn't sound right. <laughs> I know. But, but it works. Yeah, that but that's what it was. It really was. And um for me that that band was kind of magical and then it, it wasn't around very long, but it did what it, it did what it did and and it's pretty amazing. I think out of all, everything I've done, that band has the most impact still. Yeah, it was 3 years that the 3 main releases came out and uh i mean i guess you accomplished a lot in that time yeah i guess so you know i mean we we did we did a good amount of touring uh we put out those records and um we were busy it was a busy time how was the reception at the time like uh that's around when i started going to shows 98 99 i remember the shows i remember there was still a lot of uh there was still a lot of the 90s activism i remember people selling pasta at shows and handing out leaflets and zines and i remember a lot of big pants and beads and <laughs> i remember there was still a lot more crossover as far as different types of bands playing yep so where did cross my heart fit into that what kind of shows were you playing well let's see um trying to think some of the early shows some of the early shows i uh, remember playing with like grade or um sense field locally we would play with indie rock type bands or punk or hardcore bands and you know it was it was kind of a mixture but i think the band was received very well early on because you know i mean it it was the members of that band all came from other bands i had just come from a that band blank so had some people that were following me a little bit and then Cross my heart just became something that became very special and and again quickly we had record deals in place you know before before we even really recorded quite honestly oh well yeah so we were I was kind of ready to go uh, but um <laughs> you know and, and and we we went in and recorded and boom you know ready to release that that first record so i mean did you see things grow over time yeah. over the three over the three years when the other records came out and just more interest in the band definitely definitely that band had a lot of momentum it's a shame that at the time you know looking back i i i'd like to i'm curious you know i'd love to see what would have happened if we didn't break up and we kept going if we kept it going because yeah, I, I think that band had a lot of momentum and probably could have had a lot of really cool opportunities, but that's not the way it went, you know, but yeah, I mean, it definitely had a lot of momentum and a lot of interest and it built and I'm very proud of uh, now, very proud of what, what we accomplished. And signing with Deep Elm must have been great. I mean, uh, you're in great company on that label. Yeah. I mean, at the time Deep Elm was this very interesting label that was putting out just some really cool stuff. And it seemed like everything that they were doing felt comfortable for us to be a part of. And, you know, it seemed like their records were getting out there. So it made a lot of sense. You know, they they did a lot for the band, you know, did a lot to get the word out and really kind of created their own brand you know um yeah and and they did a great job with it so why did the band end we have all this momentum <laughs> we've got great music out I there know. we're touring i guess you're touring nationally right yes yeah we were we were touring a lot um 
I think it just, you know, I just remember wanting to do something a little lighter um, in terms of the emotional aspect. And, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe a couple of us really weren't getting along. You know, it's just, it's one of those stupid things you just do like, ah, we're done, you know? And yeah, I don't think it really, there was really a whole lot of thought and it happened very quick, unfortunately, you know, and, and I was on to the next thing. And that was dead red sea. Well, dead, dead red sea was kind of a, a parallel, uh, side project across my heart and Liars Academy, kind of living in between that space, just something that I, I had uh, was doing with a couple other buddies and kind of scratching a different itch. So that really didn't, it, the the cutoff was Cross My Heart into Liars Academy, where Dead Red Sea kind of remained fluid for a couple of years. So it wasn't the focus, it was uh, just yeah. another thing you were working on. Absolutely. How how was it reuniting with Cross My Heart after all those years? I mean, was it weird? Did we have to like get comfortable with each other again? How was that? It, it was a little weird because um, let's see. I mean, we didn't really rehearse all that much. We just got it kind of got together, and you know, we played a Baltimore show. Then the next thing I know, you know, I was flying to Florida with a guitar and showed up, and you know, played again, and um, and then it was over. And, you know, it was just, it was very, very quick, you know, as, as far time heals a lot of wounds, they say, you know, and, uh, you know, as far as we all got along, it was great. Um, but it just, it was a little surreal, you know, it just didn't, it just felt like kind of like a dream in a weird way. The, the only, the only thing that sticks with me is, you know, I, I think there's a little bit of video and if it weren't for that, I probably wouldn't even really remember it. <laughs> it's funny how that happens yeah. doesn't it yeah like uh the band i toured with um in the early 2000s i don't remember any of the last show and i think i was selling merch at the show and i was like like what was i doing like why don't like i don't i don't even think i realized the gravity of the situation but like you said there's video of the show so i can look at that and be like all right i know it happened yeah you were there <laughs> but, well you know it's funny because i don't i look back and and i know i played hundreds and i can't remember maybe five percent of them maybe you know and people are, they'll show me hey check out this flyer and i'm like i don't remember playing that show <laughs> i don't i don't remember it you know um obviously there's there's some some really special ones that you do remember but there's so many that i don't and um the guitar player for liars kind of he remembers all of them so he's kind of like my i go to him like what happened where did we ever play here he's like oh yeah don't you remember we played this and the van broke down and we, we stayed here and we had this for dinner and i'm like i don't remember any of that but i'll take your word for it it's weird how some people can remember that kind of stuff right like the band i was the band i toured with there is a guy in the band vadim who can remember all that stuff he he knows the dates of shows when shows happen all of that it's incredible it is incredible and and the thing is like it's not it's not an age thing because i didn't remember it back then either so yeah yeah. (laughs) it's just uh some people just have a better memory and 
some things just stick, I guess. Uh, uh, maybe maybe that just is a testament to how disengaged I was at, at a certain point. You know, I, I don't know. But um, yeah, I wish I could remember a little more of it, you know? Yeah, me too. Me too. But a lot of that time is a blur. But I think that's I think that's it exactly, Ryan. It's like, it's maybe just not all as important to you. Not to say that it's not important, but it's your your mind is locked onto something else. Mm-hmm. Like, and it, you know, you're not remembering the dates of Liars Academy shows, but you're remembering something. Yeah, <laughs> it's something. <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever that is. Well, in in a weird way, um, I, I the things that I remember that come to top of mind are the are, are the pleasant things now, not the 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 frustrating things, and I definitely prefer it that way. Um, cause I do want to look back on all of this, you know, with, with, uh, feeling good about it, you know, cause some of those, you know, the frustrating things feeling like, why am I doing this? You know, you're out in the middle of the country and you got no place to stay and, you know, you're sleeping in a Walmart parking lot because you don't want to spring for the hundred buck motel, you know, and, and you're just can't sleep and you're just thinking why why am i even bothering with this why am i doing this um second guessing everything and feeling frustrated right now when i think about a lot of that stuff it's very um you know i'm looking at it with all the 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 fun aspects i remembering all the good stuff um so i'm gonna i'm gonna continue to think that way um because it's a little more inspiring than dwelling on the the, the the broken past you know yeah and the stuff that mattered so much back then it really just doesn't matter anymore at least when i think about it like i remember little band infights and stupid creative decisions that mean absolutely nothing now and just all that kind of ridiculous stuff that's so important to you when you're 20 21 yeah. 22 years old and now i can just remember like hey i was out with my best friends on the road uh they had a new record out they're trying to make things happen. There's some cool bands on the tours. I'm I got to see most of the country. I'm so happy that I had the opportunity to do that. I'm like you, Ryan. That's I just remember the good things now and that's where I want to be. Yeah, well, you're right. I mean, so many bands, it, it's those little things cuz you you're you're stuck in this va- this metal box, you know, with with these guys for hours. You get to the club, guess who's there? the same guys you were just with, you know, <laughs> and you don't know anybody else. So you kind of, you hang with them and, you know, you play, you get up on stage with them. And then after that you pack up with them and, you know, you're sleeping next to them and it's all over again. And you do that for 30, 40, 50, 60 days in a row. And yeah, it's the, it's those little stupid things. Like I can't believe that guy's going to eat that gross food again or you know god (laughs) you know like can he just clean up after himself or why did he say that you just start getting so nitpicky but you're right it's easy to look back after you've had some time away and just say wow that was great man you know what i do remember i remember that long that middle of the night drive and we were listening to the radio and you could see the stars and the weather was perfect and I've, I've never felt more free in my life. You know, those kind of memories do creep in, in the good shows where you, where you, you just, you felt 
you couldn't really describe it, but you 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 remember that feeling. Those are the things that are exciting to re- still remember and hold on to. the The infighting is not so much. <laughs> no, yeah. no, most most of that I've forgotten. So that's yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, you're in Liars Academy. You have demons out in 2004. Your second record on Equal Vision. Yes. Yep. So it is it is a departure in sound from trading my life. It's a little more serious, I guess for a lack of a better word. It's more rock and you said crowds just weren't as receptive to that. Yeah, I don't I don't think that they were. Um you know, at least at least with no news is good news. I think you you can listen to it and go, "Okay, I understand what they're doing. I either like it or I don't, but I get it." Whereas yeah. when we when we did demons, I think we just um, yeah, I, I don't think there really was a, a reference point. You know, I mean, it was a little, you know what I mean. It just it just didn't fit what was happening in popular music in the tours that we were doing. We didn't fit there, so we just didn't really fit anymore. And I, I agree with you; it was very serious record because we knew we knew like it was we had to write you know, at the time, like that was what we thought was the best thing we could do. And we put a lot of heart and soul into it. And, and those frustrations and those observations of, of what we were seeing of the music industry and, and our feelings and, and starting to grow up and all that, I think really kind of came out was represented in, in the record very nicely. You know, at that time, Keith, it was 2004. I mean, it was, it was hot topic punk, you know, it was, it was a different, it was a different thing. Yeah. You had to be like super pop punky or emo yeah. or super metalcore. I yeah. think. Yeah. And we were like one of those two. Yeah. We were, we were none of that, you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> none of that. I mean, the record probably sounds closer to the Google dolls than, you know, my chemical romance. So, you know, yeah. it, 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 it was just, you know, it just it just didn't find its its right audience, and and that's what I'm hoping to to accomplish now. Finally, is to try to to put it back out there, and you know, maybe there's there are people that will appreciate it the second second time around. Yeah, when I was younger, I got caught up in that uh, teenage early twenties mindset. It has to sound like this. It has to sound like that, but I'm 40 years old now. If I, and if I listen to both records, I like demons better. Yeah. It's more in tune with uh, what I'm into now. Yeah. Well, that's, that's great to hear. And I, and I think that you say serious and, and I agree with you. And I think, it, I think it was, it's more mature, right? Yeah. And I, and I think it was more mature than where, than the bands that we were playing with. And I don't, I don't mean to sound that as a slight or we were, leaps and bounds better than everybody but it it is a more mature approach and it it just did not resonate with the younger kids that we were playing in front of you know in abundance you know yeah so they can't comprehend that yeah yeah and and you know the 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 couple you, you rewind a few years back to cross my heart and when deep elm and all that stuff was happening all that stuff kind of fizzled out by 2004 it was it was really morphing into something completely different. So yeah, because cross my heart that remind that reminds me of more classic emo. Uh, I hate using these terms, but I, I'm just trying to put a pinpointed on it for people. Like I hear cross my heart, I think like by a thread and mineral and cool bands like that. 
And in 2004, nobody was talking about that. No, no, it was nobody. Yeah, that, it was that, really that, was, that stuff was all forgotten. Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing, isn't it? Uh, yeah. How, how quick how quick things change. But um, yeah, I mean, looking back, um, you know, there's there's some really great songs on that Demons record that uh, I had forgotten about, and can't wait. Can't wait to finally have a copy of that for myself on vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> so talk about how the reissue came about. Well, the all all of these reissues came about, I guess, going back again, early, let's see. It was, I guess, the beginning of COVID. Matt from Steadfast called me, said, hey, man, um, are you okay if I reissue these, those Cross My Heart records, the two Deep Elm ones? I'm like... Sure, I don't really care if you want to. That's fine. And I really didn't. I really was like, eh, you know, whatever. And then I started getting really excited about it. And we had kept talking and rekindled this relationship because I had known Matt from years back. Him being on a on a deep elm in a deep elm band and touring with him, and um, you know, it was really exciting. And and it, it came time to you know announce the records and put them up for sale. And the response was insane. From what you know. Remember, I mean, I I had been out of the loop for so long. So to come back to it and people message me from all around the world, sharing stories of their favorite songs. And um, I'm so excited that you guys are putting this out on vinyl. I couldn't get a copy of the old stuff. And I just was floored. I couldn't believe it. And And he was floored too. So we're like, all right, well, hey, I got this solo record I'm finishing up. He's like, great, let's put that out. And, you know. Let's do some Liars Academy stuff. It's never been on vinyl. And at the same time, you know, one of these other labels, a friend of mine that did the blank stuff, he's like, hey, I think now's the time to reissue that blank stuff. I'm like, let's do it. So we just put that out on vinyl um, and that got a great reception as well. So very, very thrilled that there's still some people that that care. It's It blows me away. Prior to these reissues going up, did you have any idea that people had renewed or increased interest in these records? Because, you know, you put out a lot of this stuff before the internet, what is what it is today, and social media is not around. And that's what happens now. People discover these bands online, people talk about them, the legend grows, and then offers come in and reissues and all that stuff. Did you have any sense that people had a uh, thirst for this stuff prior to the records going up, the reissues? I don't think I did. Not not really. I mean, because I, those Cross My Heart records were already pressed on vinyl. And I was like, well, they're out there. If people want them, they can grab them and then go and, you know, eBay or whatever. But I didn't, I didn't really know. I was, I was pretty, pretty kind of blown away, quite honestly, because I'm really not too active um, on social media or, or wasn't until, until the, the reissues were getting ready to come out and I started ramping up. And, and that's how I just, you know, as soon as I kind of came back, you know, people started messaging me and finding me and, 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 uh, it was, it's been very, very amazing. Yeah. But I wasn't really expecting all that. It's gotta be a great feeling, right? Because yeah. I mean, all this, like you mentioned before, you didn't feel like you were good enough or you didn't feel like you did a good enough job and you were out of music for a little bit. So for these records to be resurfaced and for people to have such interest in them, I mean, it's gotta be very validating. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's where I'm at now. It's kind of the the best case scenario for me, you know, because get to put out 
some of these older records. Um, get to work with a friend of mine, so I don't have, you know, the the pressures of of a label. You know, hey, you you got to tour, you got to do this, you got to do that. I don't have any of that. You know, I feel obligated to play to support it, and and because it's fun, but the pressure's gone. I feel like it's it's all on my terms now, which is which is great. And um, you know, I, I hopefully I could you know keep it going. Absolutely. So when uh, you initially got off the road, mm-hmm. you know, I'm talking back in 2007, 2008. Was it hard to integrate into more of a normal life, or were you just ready for it? I think I think I was ready for it. I think I was, um, and, and, and excited to, to kind of break into a new chapter. Now I didn't totally give up music. So, I mean, I, I was, I jumped into another project that was, you know, everybody's kind of side project thing and, and we had fun with it and we played some shows and there was no, no pressure. We just kind of did, it was more like going to a weekly poker night, but you're, you're just jamming with your buddies, you know? And that that was a nice creative outlet and a change of pace. But I really did kind of switch off and was focused on a completely different aspect, you know, and, and a different path of my life, which was, you know, finding a new career and, you know, starting a family. And, you know, that takes a lot of different energy. And, um, you know, and, and so... It, it, I think I was ready for it for sure. Where did you land career wise? I got into sales, kind of got into some some fun, a fun industry. I, I landed basically in the toy industry, and Ooh. yeah, and uh, doing sales for a couple different companies. Um, you know, selling their collectible toys and action figures. So it's it's kind of fun. That does sound fun. Mm-hmm. That's around the same time I. You know, I, I guess I was close to 30 and I got passed over for this promotion at my job. And I was like, all right, I got to start taking things seriously because I'm almost 30. I don't have a college degree. My music career certainly isn't going to start taking off now. Let me really try to see what I can get done here. Yeah. So what did you end up doing? Well, uh, I ended up becoming a solution engineer for a major outsourcing corporation on accident. Hmm. But it pays really well and I like the job. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I kind of stumbled into my thing too and um but the funny thing is uh, it next to music that kind of stuff is also a, a huge hobby of mine and and huge interest. So it worked out really well. But, you know, now I get to still do the music on my own terms and, you know, I'm I'm very happy where I'm at. I love that. That's awesome. So we've got two Liars Academy reissues coming out through mm-hmm. Steadfast in December. We've got the Trading My Life EP, right? Those are some demo recordings. Yeah, we've got uh, Trading My Life, which is uh, the second release for Liars Academy. It was an EP. And uh, to fill out the record, we've included the original uh, demo that we've recorded for Equal Vision, which has a, a song that did not end up on No News is Good News and four different versions of, of those songs. So that kind of creates a full LP and and obviously Demons is coming out. And then there's going to be, you know, a surprise uh, extra thing to be announced uh, shortly. 
So pretty excited for that too. Oh, that is exciting. Mm -hmm. There is Cross My Heart vinyl out there, you said, right? Is that still available? Can we still get that? I think Steadfast might have like a couple copies left of mm-hmm. of one of them. But yeah, I, they're pretty much gone. Probably the only way, you know, maybe just Discogs or eBay or because I think most of that stuff sold direct from the site before he had his distribution set up. So I don't even think you're going to find it in record stores. So may- maybe a repress in the future. But I that might not happen for quite a while because, as you know, or you, you probably should know, with with vinyl, it just takes forever these days to get it to get it pressed. Yeah, yeah, you're waiting a year, and uh, you've got the solo record out. Someone becomes no one. Mm-hmm. So we got to pick that up, right? Yeah, I mean, I, that I, was I, produced by Jay Robbins, right? Yeah, yeah. It's um, I'm extremely proud of it. It's a it's a very dark, serious mature record um i love those yeah but it's you know it's funny i was talking to uh matt from steadfast just the other day and he said man it's that record's such a fall winter record we've gotta you know remind people that you know go listen to it now because it came out in the (laughs) summer but it's such a it's such a you know kind of a fall winter record that maybe maybe that vibe will be a little more pronounced with the weather change here on the East coast and the Midwest. But yeah, I mean that, that came out. Um, I'm very excited and, you know, going to continue to uh, play some of those songs live and been learning a bunch of the older stuff from the catalog, which has been really fun. Yeah. And I just, I, there was another record I mentioned earlier. Um, my first band blank, we just reissued uh, one of those LPs and that just came out um september so i've been very busy and very active with all these reissues and stuff yeah and it's got to be fun right it's got to be a good feeling because only a few short years ago you thought uh, you weren't going to do any of this anymore but i find that that's how it goes in music like so many times i've been like well that's my last band it's never going to happen again and then something else always comes up yeah i i I always think it always comes it always finds you you know like I've I've tried to turn my back on music a couple times and it just has a funny way of, you know, waking me up and and grabbing me by the arm and, you know, pulling me into the next thing. And that's okay, you know? I mean, it, it for me it's got to be I know when it's right, I'll feel it, you know, inspiration'll hit me and I can write 20 songs in a week or I don't write anything for 5 years. You know, but when it hits me, I know, I know to jump on it. And, um, that's kind of what happened with the solo record where it just, it just started flowing out and I had to capture it. So I'm hoping that happens again soon so I can do a follow up. If it's produced by Jay Robbins, are you actually working with him in the studio and he's saying, try this, do that, don't do this? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, working with Jay was super fun because. I went in with the bass player and drummer and we did all the basic rhythm tracks. And then, you know, I did some of my guitar work and then it was like Jay and I, like two bad scientists just pulling out keyboards and weird percussion things and different guitars and just having a blast with it and really reconstructing the song. And, 
and really finding that there was this connective tissue and a vibe that we were creating. And it was fantastic. It, it was less of him telling me like, you know, don't do that. That's terrible versus him encouraging and, you know, let me know when I, I nailed it or I didn't nail it, you know, but yeah, I can't wait to get back and, and record with him again. I recommend it if he's the best. That process sounds really fun. It was super fun. It, it was to me, it's like creating is is just as if not more exciting than the than the performing, right? That that instant gratification of playing in front of a crowd who's excited to see you. Sometimes it's more exciting for me when there's no one around and I and I figure out the song or I've completed yep. it, right? That's that record just felt magical when I when I did it and it was a great feeling and and I'm hoping to recreate that <laughs> for the next one but I I think a lot of that had to do with the atmosphere and you know working with Jay you know he's just such a positive force that you know he really brings out the best of you well Ryan we have a lot to look forward to and hopefully more in the future so I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show I mean You've created so much great music over the years, and uh, it looks like we can look forward to more, too. So thank you. Awesome. It's been a pleasure, Keith. Thanks. It was nice meeting you. And there you have it. Ryan Shelkett. The man has done so much. You know... I wasn't totally familiar with the bands, but I did some uh, deep dive research in anticipation of this conversation. I really like Demons. You know, he said that uh, it didn't really get a chance because people were still expecting no news is good news, I guess, which is more of like a straightforward rock slash pop punk kind of sound. Demons, they went in a more deep direction. You know, it's like, it's just more rock and roll it's like more serious kind of like what i said to ryan and people weren't that receptive to it but i'm glad that it's getting another chance on vinyl you know maybe people have gotten over their preconceptions about bands or the dumb stuff they do when they're young when they're like oh it doesn't sound like this so i don't like it i know now that i'm older i've gone back and listened to tons of stuff that i didn't listen to back in the day because of whatever weird misconception i had about it so i hope that demons sees an awesome second light. And, you know, just to hear about uh, Ryan's history with Cross My Heart, a band that I hadn't heard previously, but I really, really like them, uh, Cross My Heart, who were on Deep Elm. Uh, I mean, the guy has done a lot. He's still doing it. He's got a solo record out on Steadfast now. He's done it all. He's doing it all. And it was wonderful to talk to him. Thank you so much, Ryan. So, Mike, let's talk about how we are doing. And I want to start with you because I would like to hear about your podcast, which I have heard before. Talk about, give us like the podcast mission statement and tell us how you got it started. So the mission statement is, is about the late 90s, early 2000 punk scene. And it's called This Was The Scene. It's kind of tongue in cheek. It's really based on how I perceived the scene. I grew up in the mid to late 90s. And I, so I try to focus on bands, producers, people who wrote zines. That was more in the beginning. Um, roadies and anyone, viewpoints of people who had really cool experiences. It's really kind of leaned more into record labels and, and bands lately. 
but they have to at least my criteria is they have to have started in the mid in the 90s and if they kind of caught a wave in the early 2000s i just run with it because there's a lot of really cool stories but it's 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 all our perspective of why that changed our lives and it just everyone is so hyped about it because it was such a pivotal moment for a lot of people and it's just brings out a lot of really cool conversations and then these random stories will come out where i don't know just so many where people will talk about something like yeah and then i you know bumped into this band on the road and i was like oh wow actually that goes along with this interview I did on and you know 20 episodes ago or 100 episodes ago and people just like really light up about it and the cool thing the best part of it that I didn't know was going to happen is it's reconnecting people so I just interviewed David from Boxer and that interview I was trying to find that band because I remembered them from that time period and I remembered that first album so I find Dave interview him and then his guitarist just re- re- reached out to me recently. He's like, hey, man, I heard the episode. He's like, can I get Dave's number? I haven't talked to him in like 20 years. And then they connected and I, and I follow up. I'm like, hey, man, did you guys get it? He's like, yeah, we haven't talked in so long. This is so cool. And then like Rich Egan from Vagrant like messages me like, hey, dude, I heard that Boxer interview. I've been dying to know about these guys. And I was like, do you want to come on the show? He's like, fuck yeah. So <laughs> it's just crazy. So like there's certain wins that I've gotten for this inter- this podcast that I never saw coming, but it's just people connecting and then like people reaching out and saying like, "Hey, I listen to your podcast." I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" I like I loved your band back in the day. This is crazy. So basically, 18 year old me is like shitting himself every time I do one of these episodes. That's the best part, isn't it? Because you know, I came, I got into hardcore and the scene, whatever you know, whatever you want to call it, all that stuff in, I guess, 1998, and I was a young, very scared. 16 year old kid and i would go to see these bands cave in dillinger escape plan converge you name it and to me they were like 30 year old guys you know <laughs> yeah. they, they were like rock stars they were like van halen to me and now i say this all the time but now i've had a lot of these people on the show and i realize we're pretty close in age and we were all just doing our thing but that kid is still inside me who's still so stoked to talk to everybody and i love that you are connecting people in bands. And then, you know, when you have other random people reach out, that's happened to me where I'll have someone from a band on and then someone else will reach out and be like, hey, I heard the episode. And then I'm like, do you want to come on? And they're like, of course. And I'm like, yes. And, you know, just those connections that we make and everything I think is the best part. We just geek out because I'm, I'm just imagining myself at 18 where I'm looking up to these people and they're such a mystery. And I'm just creating this cat, what's like um, an archive of these yeah. lost stories that I just wanted to hear. And then people are reaching out like, dude, I always wanted to know this. Or like the band Blunt, they were on Fearless. I interviewed them or I interviewed Jack and he was super cool. And the first question I was like, what the hell? How do you say the band? Is that Blount or Blunt? And he's like, Blunt. And then fucking Rich from RX Bandits hits me up and he's like, Sound, Sound of Animals Fighting. He's like, dude, you asked the best question there. He's like, I've always wanted to know that. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> so it's like these questions that I just kind of go with in a gut instinct. And then people are like, I wanted to know that too. And I was like, that's so rad. How do you prep? Do you do like a, do you like write out all the questions or do you have bullet points? What do you do? I don't really do any of that. I just have such a good memory from back then. When I started it, the first 30 episodes were all Jersey based bands that were only around. Some of them were around for two years. And I have just memories because I had um, a band that was called Lane Meyer and we played a lot of shows back then. 
and I have all these photos that I took. So I have this plastic bucket in my room that I'll go through. And through the years, I'd go through it. So my memories are still there because visually I'm seeing it. And when I'm talking about them, we're like, they're like, how do you remember this stuff? I was like, this is such a pivotal part of my life. But then as it started going on, friends were going, hey, do you want to talk to my buddy Rob from this band LWL? He's like, do you want to talk from Jeff from Game Face or Popeye from um, Farside? And I was like, I do but I'm kind of nervous to talk to these guys. And then it's just started branching. I talked to like Ian from Newfound Glory and then it just blew up. So, so a lot of the bands, I remember them, but some of them, I just know the name or a song that was on a comp. And I'll just, just show up and be like, I know the surrounding elements. I don't know anything about you. So I'm going to ask you questions as if I don't know what the fuck you did. Yeah. And it just comes out like super authentic, but I, have like a set kind of structure of questions and it always goes like, how'd you get in the scene? How'd the blah, blah, blah start? Tell me how that looked in the inside and then how'd it end? That's the basic structure. And everything in between, I'm kind of like writing questions that they're saying something. I'm like, hey, let's break that down because that sounds, there's gotta be something more in there. And they do and you just open up this door and this is a whole bunch of shit comes out. And you're like, oh my God. Yeah, I used to follow more of a, structure like in the very early days i would just go through the discography and ask questions about each record and then i kind of had a different structure later but the thing i've learned is to just be in the moment for the conversation because each person that you talk to it's a different person it's a different personality you're going to get a different experience every time so you just have to be in the moment and roll with whatever you're getting yeah you never know there's stories that people will say and there's certain questions that you ask. I mean, the biggest one is I'll be like, wait a minute, why? And that just opens that door because I'm, I'm inquisitive. And like you, you're, you nailed it on the head is when I'm, I'm sitting on my couch right now. This is the setup I have. I have a headset on. I have my MacBook in front of me. I've got a window to my right that's looking at construction. You know, it's like I'm looking outside. So this is the viewpoint. And I give myself this quiet space. So when they're telling me all this stuff, I'm just soaking it in. And I'm, I'm looking off in the distance, listening to it remembering what they're saying, opening up the door for the next question. And I just have this giant smile on my face the entire time. I'm like, this is so rad. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned uh, being nervous too. Like you're getting offered these interviews, Popeye and uh, different people. I actually hesitated to reach out more in the beginning because I was just so afraid of talking to people. I didn't know who I looked up to. Well, it was easy for me because the first 30 were friends. Yeah, that's what I did too. Yeah, pretty much. It's like you just strengthen that muscle. So you're like, okay, I I know now how to shut the fuck up and stop over, you know, <laughs> talking over people and talking about myself. And I'll still do that and I'll catch myself. I'll be like, all right, I don't want to talk about myself. But it, it's it's such a it it's such a very specific skill that I just love talking to people in general. So I I brought that to the table and then then there's that whole structure of knowing, okay, like this is how a good interview should go. And I'll listen to them again when I'm editing. And then sometimes I'll re-listen to them the day of. And I'll be like, wow, this actually, I'm pretty pretty excited how this came out. And then I'll listen yeah. to myself and be like, all right, stop doing this. Stop saying this. Stop bringing up this fucking story again because it's getting too repetitive if someone's listening from the beginning. So I'll pick it apart as if I'm being annoyed and I don't repeat it. Yeah, it's like whack-a-mole. Something always comes up. I'll start. Yeah. I'll keep repeating the same word or I'll keep telling the same story. Like, like uh. Uh, I don't want to give specific examples because then I'll admit that uh, something's annoying and I don't want to. Yeah, you you never you never want to tell someone the thing you do because then they'll never stop hearing it. Yes. Editing my own podcast has made me 
1,000 times better at doing this. And speaking. That too. You are so aware. I, even right now, this whole time, I'm constantly, I'm aware of, um, so, like, like, um, you know, yeah. because I edit that shit out of every single episode of what someone else is saying. So the, the majority of my time is editing out people's pauses, their, um, so, because it would just become so fucking annoying that it takes me like three, four hours just to cut all that out and just make it where I'm not going to hate it and be annoyed the whole time. Okay. So you, you're as in depth with it as I am and that's good. Yeah. I, sometimes people will have a speech pattern that is not ideal for the storytelling format. So I'll have to edit like every third word and it takes forever. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> and you start to know because you're seeing the audio waves and you're visually knowing that that's where they say, um, and every time it's like, it, it's just that little bump. Um, uh, <laughs> I know what, um, looks like, I yep. know what the bump for, um, looks like now it's in my nightmares. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so, I mean, it does make a better convo and you almost feel like you're kind of cheating a little bit because sometimes you'll tell a joke and there's a pause and you're like, you know what, if I just edit this and they just push them a little bit closer, it sounds like it hit. <laughs> they laugh. Exactly. Oh yeah. I do that too. Yeah. Like, uh, sometimes there's too much of a gap before the laughter starts and it's awkward. So I just, I just pull all that together. Yeah. At the same time, I just think of it as there's a delay probably, and they know my joke was great. So I have to show it as if they were laughing really hard at it, <laughs> you know, giving away too much secret sauce here but it's you know honest yeah you're getting uh to anyone listening who wants to start a podcast you're getting some top quality editing tips right now this is hard fought information that we had to learn the hard way in the trenches of podcasting yeah this is four and a half years of me doing this once a week pretty much and uh you don't make any money off of it and it's just really you're like what am i getting out of it and that's where it comes to people connecting it's the interviews that i randomly get and sometimes i'll be like do i really want to keep doing this and then i'll land four interviews in a row that i love i'm like this is the spark that i needed to keep this thing going you know i'm happy to hear you say that too because that's the relationship i have with it now sometimes i'm like why am i doing this i don't want to do this anymore like i could have some it takes up my entire week i'm like i could be doing so many other things Ugh, but then I'll have like, yeah, it's like you said, there, you know, there's certain episodes or some little thing happens that just get your blood boiling again and then you're back in. Yeah. I mean, that's really what you need because, you know, and I have a Patreon and stuff and I'll like put it and, you know, I've got like, I, I think I pull in like 80 bucks a month or something like that. But then you got to think of the hosting fee and then just the amount of time you put into it. So I luckily work for myself. So when I'm not feeling like working on a project, I'll just switch gears like this whole week. I was supposed to be working on this animation project. And I was like, I'm just not feeling it. I'll make the deadline. Let me let me just focus on... Because I needed to decompress because I was just having such a shit week. And uh, I was like, I'll just... I'll edit the podcast. It's it's mindless now. But I'm, you know, I'm, I'm interested as what's going on. And I want to make something that's good. But it's just like second nature to me now. Yeah, I do the same thing. Jump to regular work, jump to podcast work. Where, wherever my energy is, that's where I have to put it. Yeah, 100%. So your band, Lane Meyer has a reunion gig coming up yes yeah we got we're playing two shows the first one's december 1st in stanhope new jersey and the only that's a thursday night and the only reason we're doing that is because it's a warm-up show it's three months ago we got asked by this band midtown from new jersey to open up yeah so they asked us to open up for them at starland on uh one of the dates they didn't we didn't have it locked down so we had to keep it hush hush for three months and 
in the same time we have to then because two of us don't live in jersey and two of us do so that me and the drummer sean he lives in arizona i live in raleigh so i had to get an airbnb we're gonna i'm driving in he's flying in he has to rent a car at one point i had to buy a new base so it's a lot of investment into this but it's totally worth it because the midtown show starland is it's a couple thousand people it's one of the biggest shows we'll ever play and it's totally worth it because we never got to play a lane mine never got to play a show that big and i talk about it all the time in the podcast and it's like almost like i manifested this and uh we get to play it. and it's either we get 25 minutes or we get 40 minutes depending on where we're at but it's like I, i'm just so fucking excited for this thing that's awesome how long has it been since lane meyer played we did a show in 2018 because of the podcast i I started it in March of 2018, and I one of the second interviews I did was with Heath from Midtown. And in it, I'm just being honest. I was like, "Yo, dude, like I'm 20 years ago. I'm like, we fucking hated your band because we were so jealous, and <laughs> you know, I was such a dick back then." He's like, "Yeah, that's totally cool." And then it was just really like I'm really honest in, in all the episodes about just you know pointing out my own shit from back then and it wasn't i wasn't such an asshole but i was like i was so jealous because i wanted what you guys had but the funny thing is that the two of our bands loved the songs that the music that we were putting out but like we didn't want to let people know that and and then i interviewed rob hit and uh but then rob heard the interview and he's like hey do i never i want to get lane meyer's song the first record on spotify but i was looking for it and would you guys want to put out a vinyl version of that so all this stuff had a domino effect which made us play a show in july 2018 which was awesome it was like 300 something people sold out in this little club in jersey and it was i was like that's it i don't want to do this anymore i wouldn't be going to jersey now to play a show uh just because i was like it's too much of a hassle but because of the midtown thing like that's just a st- huge step up it makes it like the, selfishly, that's the reason why I'm doing it. But I'm gonna have a ton of fun playing the the warm up show as well because we get to play more more songs. That's awesome. Yeah, I I love that. I do the manifesting thing too on my show. Uh, I don't remember for what exactly, and I can't remember if any of it's come true. But I do that, and I have found renewed interest, or people have found renewed interest in some of my older bands, which is really cool. And it's just. It's nice to be older because I was an asshole when I was younger and I was jealous of everyone and I hated everything. So it's nice to come on the show now and get to kind of reverse that. And it sounds like you got to do that with the gentleman from Midtown. And now you're playing these awesome shows, which is great too. Yeah, it's a cool story because it's 20 years in the making of 20 years ago, we didn't like them. And then this like redemption of you guys. I mean, they're, they're, they're all really good guys. I mean, Heath is one of the fucking greatest guys. And then Rob, I never knew Rob. He calls me after Heath's interview and he's like, yo, let's talk. We talk for two hours and we're like, we really get along. And then every time we get on the phone, we just go off. And I say this all the time in my podcast, but like we go off for hours and hours because we were like, we would have been best friends back in the day. And I think if we lived close to each other, we'd hang out a lot. And, um, it was, so it's so cool that just, we're like, fuck, man, why were we such idiots back then? We wouldn't have had a really good friendship. <laughs> you're just stupid when you're young. Well, it's like you're jealous because you don't know 
how to compartmentalize your emotions. You don't really have logic behind a lot of things. It's all new. You think everything's, you deserve everything before really putting in your time and all that. Yeah. And if you would have just went up to them when you were young and said like, hey, I think you're cool, there probably would have been a friendship. But you're, you're, there's so much pride and ego and all this ridiculous stuff when you're young that you just can't do it. Yeah. And it makes you kind of think like anything, it makes me really it makes me think about my life more now where I'm, if I'm stuck with something or if I'm disliking something, I just think, how much time do I need before this isn't going to be an issue? You know, because it's like <laughs> yeah. time has shown that. And then the cool thing, another cool thing with these interviews is I'll talk to people and they'll say something when they were little kids, like, oh, I wanted this. And then as we get to the end, when they're talking about the band stuff, I'm like, you know, and where they are now, I'm going, you know, if you look back, you you kind of, and I always go with the manifest thing. I'm, I get a little woo. I'm like, you you kind of called this out on yourself back then and, and stuck with the structure and landed, even though it wasn't music, you're doing the thing you really want to do. And they're like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, wow. I didn't think about that. And it's, you kind of have this fun playing around with it where you, you, you kind of set yourself up then and you eventually caught up to it, but it was different than what you wanted it to be. Yeah. I was just thinking about that today, actually. You know, I'm like, well, I... I wanted to be in a band and tour and be in a like popular, all that stuff, you know, and, but now I'm doing this podcast, which is different, but it, it still has me very involved in music and I'm happy about that. Yeah. It's like the new band. like this. I always say my podcast is the album and the bands in the similarity, the similar thing that I never got to write and I'm doing it in real time. Like, yes, I'm getting get to do this every week. Exactly. Like I get to, I get to have the thing that I wanted, even though I'm not playing music, but then I get rewarded for playing this show. And it's like that for me, and the four and a half years of doing the podcast was totally worth it because of all the stuff that stories that came out, connections and all that. But this is kind of like that one little milestone that you're kind of given, like, hey, you know, that hard work, like, here you go, you get to play a show. And you're like, oh my God, this is, I got this because of doing all these interviews and like keeping this conversation going and keeping it alive. When are the shows again? Tell us when the shows are, where we can see them. Thursday, December 1st in Stanhope House, Stanhope, New Jersey. It's 15 bucks pre-sale, 20 bucks at the door. Place holds like 300 and we're getting close to getting pretty at capacity. And then the Midtown show is on Saturday, December 3rd in Starland Ballroom in Sarahville, New Jersey. That show has been sold out for like since April or something. And also the reason that they got together to do that show is that they just toured with My Chemical Romance. So it was kind of like this weird like domino effect of My Chem got back, asked Midtown to open a bunch of arena shows. And then they were like, well, let's do our own shows. And then they did the Starland thing, sold out in a day. They announced the next one that sold out in a day. So they've been like, well, how do we kind of make this nostalgic and get Jersey bands or like bands that we played with? And that's what how they reached out to us. And we're like, Oh my God, this is amazing. Awesome. Yeah, so listen, we're out of time, but I'll quickly, I'll check in. Everything is great. I have off this week, the whole week of Thanksgiving. Uh, I'm going to be spending a lot of time with Warzone 2, probably doing some streaming on Twitch as well. So look at my gaming channel and you'll see if I'm going live. Uh, Follow me on Twitch, the new scene, turn on notifications, you'll see if I'm going live. I need to decompress because I'm burnt out, but otherwise everything's great and uh, we're out of time. So, Mike, I just want to say thanks for coming on the show. Uh, This was great. And to everybody listening, if you haven't heard this was the scene yet, check it out. Thanks, man. Great to have you here. And I'm back next week with a new episode and a new guest. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And until next time.